Amen. If you have a Bible here tonight, uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. We want to look at chapter 5 also, and then chapter 6. And the title of the teachings tonight, uh, Death of Eli, and he is the high priest at this time. And then we come to uh, chapter 5, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. And then the ark of the covenant is stolen uh, by the Philistines. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background because we're going to deal uh, with the Philistines uh, uh, quite a bit as we begin here. Uh, there are no great powers in the world at this time in history. Egypt is no longer a threat. The Assyrians were a, a power no more. Israel's enemies were their neighbors, such as the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Philistines. The Philistines were a sea-faring uh, people. They came from the island of Crete. In the scriptures, uh, Crete many times is, is, is uh, mentioned as Capthor. And you will find Capthor, which is speaking about Crete, in Deuteronomy chapter 2, in verse 23, uh, Jeremiah 47, verse 4, and in the book of Amos, in chapter 9, verse 7. The Philistines settled in Canaan around 1200 B.C. They were warlike people. They conquered the native nation of Canaan. They formed a, a five-city league called the uh, Pentapolis, and it consisted, and I want you to pay attention because it'll be brought up in the scriptures. It consisted of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, and Gath. This was what was known as Palestine. Often, Palestine is often synonymous with Canaan. It derives from the Philistine or Philistine, which they are called the Philistines in Scripture. Now, the Philistines were a very religious people. They worshipped Dagon. Uh, that was considered the grain god. And to get a picture of Dagon, half man, half fish, and Asheroth, uh, the god of the stars, the god of the moon, and then Beelzebub. Interesting that they would uh, worship Beelzebub. Uh, he was called the god of the flies. Remember in Egypt, one of the judgments was what? Flies. Now, the Philistines are going to capture the Ark of the Covenant. And it is a sad time in the nation of Israel. Right now, the Ark of the Covenant in the scriptures here uh, is resting there in Shiloh. And we know that uh, Shiloh was set up during the time of the judges. And so basically for about 400 years. And they take uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, in the midst of the battle against the Philistines. They should have never done that. And then they were, it was taken away. But you're going to see something. The Philistines didn't have it that long, about seven months. And judgment was coming upon them. They returned it back. And they were not supposed to have taken it. That belongs to the Lord. And so let's get into our text now. 1 Samuel chapter 4, uh, the Ark of the Covenant of God is captured. In verse 1, in the word of the Lord, or the word uh, of Samuel, came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistine and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Now Ebenezer is an interesting 
monument that's made up. Uh, actually, the translation is the stone of help. It's the place where Israel was defeated by the Philistines. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was captured. Later, it will be returned. And Samuel erects what we call, and we've sang it here many times, the Ebenezer stone. And it means the stone of help. In verse 2, then the Philistines put themselves in battle array uh, against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed at this time 4,000 men of the army of the field. Now, why were they defeated? Well, let's go on and see. Uh, and in verse 3, and when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Listen who they recognized always led their battles. It was always the Lord. God always goes before our battles. God always goes before your battle, my battle. And if there's victory, the victory belongs to the Lord. If there's defeat, I did something wrong. And here Israel did something wrong. And so they recognized that. And the defeat didn't come from the Philistines. But the defeat came uh, from the Lord. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. They've lost 4,000 men. They don't want to lose any more. That when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. But here's an interesting take. I believe the Lord saw their hearts. Notice they said, let's go back to Shiloh where the Ark was stationary. God never said to move it. Now, it was mobile, but only in the command of God. The ark rested in Shiloh, oh, about 400 years, that is. And the ark was inside the ark. Remember the tablets of the law, which are the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, uh, the staff that budded forth, a jar of manna. Now, these were very significant to remind Israel of the great exodus. Uh, the 40 years in the wilderness, how God provided for them. And notice that it says, let us bring the ark uh, to save us. To save us. It was to be a reminder. Now, remember the ark of the covenant had a lid. It's called the mercy seat. And it had two cherubims, one on, on each side. And if you were with us as we went through Exodus and Leviticus, and we, we brought that forth, these two angels are, are, are touching forward, their wings are forward, and their wings almost touch each other if they don't. And then the Ark of the Covenant, which was inside. But God dwelt in his presence there, not inside the Ark of the Covenant, but his presence was there. The Ark of the Covenant was his. This where the children of Israel would wait once a year. It was called Yom Kippur. And we know that the high priest would go in and desire to hear from God about the nation of Israel. How they were, uh, you know, setting up with God. Many times judgments and such. They were not to move this. Now, I like what Pastor Chuck says. Let us bring the ark to save us. They had made uh, the Ark of the Covenant a good luck charm. A good luck charm. And remember the days we used to have our statues on the dashboard of our vehicle? And yet we drank and did drugs and broke all the 
the laws available. Oh, but I got to have the statue. Then I go out on Friday night and Saturday night and, and live up the life of the world. And yet I had my medallions. We're so hypocritical. And I tell you, I had a, a, a relic in my wallet of the patron saint that was part of my life when I, when I graduated. Well, when I made my confirmation. And it was just a little speck, a little square uh, of, of a piece of cloth that touched the, the bone of San Martin de Porres. I have to share this with you, and I've shared it before. In my drunkenness coming home on a Friday or a Saturday night, I didn't want to get caught, BWI. I didn't want to get pulled over. And remember those days you thought you're driving good and you're going 10 miles an hour. Or you're going 100 miles an hour. And you think you're cool because you're straddling uh, the white lines. The only thing that saved me was the Lord. The only thing that saved me. Well, in my drunkenness, I would take out the wallet. I would take out uh, the relic and I would rub it. Oh, San Martin de Porres, get me home safely. And since nothing ever happened, I go, hey, thank you. We use it as a good luck charm. Where's my faith in God? Where's my trust in God? And this is where the children of Israel, and they knew better. They knew better. Look at verse 4. Uh, so the people sent to Shiloh, and, and that they might bring from there uh, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Between the cherubim. There were three items that were in there. God was not in there. But he was between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. He brought God to the battlefield. Where's their faith? Where's their, their save? And I mean, does Eli know? At the end, Eli's going to die. What happened to the promises of God? I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. What about happened? What happened to all of the, the stories, how God went before Joshua? How he went before the battles of Joshua? How they defeated, uh, you know, Jericho. And then there was sin in the camp and they lost to Ai. But yet God would go before them. Interesting. They should not have brought the Ark of the Covenant. And literally, think about it. They were thinking, man, let's bring the rabbit foot in, basically. That's what they were thinking. Notice verse 5, And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel, listen to this, they shouted loudly uh, that the earth shook. <laughs> uh, listen to this. They were shouting. In other words, hey, my, our charm is here. We're ready now. Sad commentary. In the nation of Israel. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, oh, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews, what does it mean? Uh, then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Obvious to me they had centuries. Obvious to me they had those that would be out in patrol and, and those that would be, you know, uh, doing recon and such. And somebody came back quickly. And they let them know it. Now, here's another aspect. The Philistines knew about the Ark of the Covenant. Their enemies know. 
And yet they wouldn't turn their lives. They wouldn't change their lives. And so the report comes back. In verse 7, the Philistines were afraid. Rightfully so. For they said, God has come into the camp. And even they believed it. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. A fear definitely hit the Philistines. Hit them in the heart. And so many times as Christians, uh, fear can set in. Here for the Philistines, it was because the Ark of the Covenant, and they knew the stories concerning the Ark of the Covenant. They understood the blessings that God had upon the nation of Israel. And now the Ark of the Covenant is there? I mean, they're shaking in their boots. Think about that. Notice now in verse 8, Woe to us, these are the Philistines, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods, small g. These are the gods, small g, who struck uh, the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Again, the Philistines would know the story. News traveled fast. And, and oftentimes the enemies would say, go see if the Lord is for them. They respected. They knew when God was for Israel, they were never going to defeat them. But when they knew Israel was sinning just like them, why would God bless them? And so I want you to think about this. The Philistines here, remember the plagues of Egypt. Remember the stories of Exodus. I mean, this was widespread. Uh, besides that, we know that they were written in caves and such. And we know that the, the word uh, was printed uh, somehow, some way. I mean, the five books of Moses are there. But these are heathen nations. But they were getting enough as people would come in uh, to their camps and such. Notice, be strong. Now, these are the Philistines. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, your warriors, basically, you Philistines, that you do not become a servants of the Hebrews. Notice that uh, the encouragement, uh, at the same time the chastisement. You guys are warriors. You guys are fighters. You guys know better than this. But there was that respect for the nation of Israel. Do you want to become servants of the Hebrews? as they have been uh, to you, conduct yourselves like men and fight like men. Fight like warriors. That's who you are. There's encouragement here. And they're rallying up the troops. And so verse 10, so the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated again. And every man fled to his tent. Uh, there was great slaughter and there fell of Israel. Remember it was 4,000? Now 30,000 foot soldiers. So we're looking at 34,000 that have been slaughtered. Israel's been defeated. This is tough because Israel was not that big. And yet they were ignorant uh, by bringing down the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the domain of God. And thinking again, uh, you know, as long as we have this, everything's going to be cool. Not so. Notice now in verse 11, also the ark of God was captured. God forbid, but the Lord, listen, allowed it to happen. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Now, now we studied them in the, in the last week or so. These guys were evil. 
uh, they were lying with the women. The women that were there to, to do the work of the tabernacle, to do the mending, to do the cooking, uh, you know, the various things that needed to be done besides the priesthood that was there. And this is Hophni and Phinehas. They're the sons of Eli the priest. He's the high priest. These guys knew better. Remember last week? The prophet, we don't know who it was, came in and he prophesied. And he says, your sons are going to die. You're going to die. And there's going to be a curse upon uh, your families. And it's just beginning here. And so Hophni and Phinehas are dead, as the prophet said they would. The death of Eli now. And so this is just a domino effect. All of a sudden, judgment's coming. Then a man of the Benjamites ran from the battle. He ran from the battle line that same day. And he came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirty on, on his head. In other words, he's been to war. Now when he came here, came there that is, uh, was Eli sitting on the seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. I believe he gave the permission, or he knew the ark had taken. They had taken the ark to, from Shiloh. And now it's grieving him because he knew that they weren't supposed to do it. And, and uh, who who was leading the pack? It was probably Hophni and Phinehas. But notice, for his heart troubled him for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly, and he told Eli. Now, just to give you Eli's background at this time, he's 98 years old, and his eyes were dim, or so dim, that he could not see. So basically, he's blind. Uh, then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, as I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? Remember when he asked uh, uh, Samuel? What did the Lord say? And Samuel uh, really didn't want to tell him because it was judgment. And remember, Eli said, tell me everything. And Samuel did. Now he says, this man, uh, the Benjamite, and the man came quickly and he told Eli. He's saying in verse 16, what happened, my son? And so the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. God forbid. But Eli was very concerned. We read earlier uh, in verse 14 about the ark of God. Now he's concerned that the ark was removed from Shiloh. He heard the tumult. He heard the speaking of the loud noise. And then he hears, your sons are dead. The ark has been taken. What went through Eli's heart? Remember we shared last week he was not a good uh, high priest. We shared he was not a good father. His parenting skills stunk. Because we know 
uh, Hobney and Phineas were taking, they weren't asking. Remember, they had a three-pronged uh, extension. It was like a fork. And so they would get the meats as they would be boiling because the meats were offered unto the Lord. But the, the priesthoods were paid by the meats and such. And so there was a lot of Israelites. There was plenty of meat to go around, but God gave provision. You know, stick the, the fork in there, and what comes out is yours. But they were looking for the choice meats. They were looking for the best cuts. And it was an abomination unto the Lord. And then they were at the, at the gate or the door of the tabernacle, and they were lying with the women. They were not temple prostitutes, as we find in, in 1 Corinthians. And so this was not the, what the Lord obviously desired. Notice what happens now, verse 18. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died. For the man was old, he was blind, he was heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. The end of his legacy. Not good, church. Not good. I believe it all just came together. Oh, Lord. I've blown it all. Yes, you have. Does God forgive him? I hope and pray he did. But he took advantage of his office. Took advantage of his call. Took advantage. His kids took advantage of dad. Again, the proverb uh, 22, verse 6, train up a child in the ways of the Lord. And when he is old, he will not depart. He did not do it. Eli the priest. Now we come to the word Ichabod. In the Hebrew, the glory of the Lord has departed. Sad commentary. When the Ark of the Covenant belonged to the nation of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant is where God spoke to the high priest. Notice this. In verse 19, now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news uh, that the Ark of God was captured and that her, her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, listen to this, about the time of her death, the woman, the woman who stood by her said to her, do not fear for you have born a son. But she said, she did not answer, nor did she regard it. This is the daughter-in-law. She dies giving birth. Is she thinking, you know, judgment on me also? But notice what the midwife does. In verse 22, and she said, the glory has departed from Israel, uh, for the ark of God has been captured. The glory, the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. What a sad commentary. And I have to share this with you tonight. I believe this is where the United States of America is. And the only thing that's going to save us is a revival. And a revival that comes with true repentance. 
change a mind, change a heart, and a change of direction. But the time is going to come. If the church wasn't here, the glory of the Lord would have been taken already. Again, we're going to be sharing on Sunday morning. Somebody has to answer for 58 million aborted children. Somebody has to answer for making the laws of same-sex marriage. Somebody has to answer uh, for the, the brokenness that has taken place in, in the marriages across the United States of America. It's over 51% now. In fact, Christians are getting just as much divorced as a non-believer. Notice now as we continue. In verse 21, then, she named the child Ichabod, uh, saying the glory has departed from Israel uh, because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. I want you to think of the death now, the havoc that's taken place in, in, uh, in Israel itself, but in Eli the high priest. I mean, his sons are wiped out now. His grandson has been named Ichabod. Imagine going around with that name. What's your name? Well, I'm going to shorten it up. Icky. Who wants to be called Ichabod, right? The glory of the Lord has departed. They would have known. They did know. First uh, Samuel chapter 5 now. The Philistines and the ark. And then the Philistines took the ark of God, brought it from uh, the Ebenezer to Ashdod. They took the ark of God from the battle. They took it home. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon. And listen to this. And they set it up by Dagon. Not a good move. Not at all. It's not about the ark. It's not about the outward appearance. But what was the representation of the ark? We had the three aspects that are there that are inside of the ark. And then between the cherubim, the two cherubims, was the presence of God. It was the presence of God. And I mean, and then you set the Ark of the Covenant, the holy thing of, of Israel, and you put it up against Dagon. Watch what happens here. It's interesting because that's their God, so they know. In verse 3, and when the people of Ashdod arose early uh, in the morning, there was Dagon, listen to this, judgment already, fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And so they took Dagon and they set it up in its place again. Oh, our little God Dagon fell. Let's get him back up. They don't see it yet. Notice now, they're going to bow down to it. And when they arose early the next morning, uh, there was Dagon falling on his face. Notice at the bottom, uh, it says here, and then the head of Dagon had both the palms of its hands were broken, broken off and the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left. And yet the torso was there to bow before the Ark of the Covenant. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the Ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us. Smart call. For his hand is harsh 
towards us and Dagon, our God. They never experienced something like this. I wonder who are the ones that voted, uh, you know, or they just took advantage and, and, and took the Ark of the Covenant. Or did they make the rules and regulations and said, hey, if we're winning the battle, let's take it. Bad move, bad move. And so, in verse 8, therefore, they sent and they gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines, and they said, what shall we do with the Ark of, of the God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. And so they carried the ark of God of Israel away. Now, I was thinking about this in verse 8 and everything that's happened already. Remember when Moses repeatedly said to the Pharaoh in Egypt, let my people go. It did not happen overnight. The Bible says that Pharaoh kept hardening his heart and standing his ground, and he said no. And the Bible says that God strengthened his heart in that position. It, he made it harder and harder until the last plague, the firstborn of Egypt. I know people, and some of you know people, they have every opportunity to receive Christ. We share with them. Sometimes they're here at church. And you share with them, I share with them, I make an altar call. You ask, maybe you're at lunch with them, would you like to receive Christ? And, and then sooner or later you see this little anger, this little animosity, and, and there's, they don't want to go to lunch with you no more. And you keep asking, and that's okay. But I see God doing something else too. You keep rejecting, I'm going to harden your heart. I'm going to confirm, I'm going to firm that heart. That's what it says in the Hebrew. And it wasn't until the firstborn of Egypt died. And then finally Pharaoh says, man, got to let him go. And Pharaoh's priest told him, hey, get rid of these guys. Let them go. Look what's happening to us. You realize that all the ten plagues that happened in Egypt, the Israelites lived about 25 miles outside. It was called the land of Goshen. Not one of those plagues affected them. Not one. We have the flies. We have the gnats. We have the, uh, you know, the Nile turning into blood. All the waters turn into blood. Frogs. <laughs> and they said they were everywhere. Go home tonight. Open up your microwave and you're going to warm something up and double check maybe there's a frog in there imagine that's what was happening in Egypt you know God's judgment and yet they couldn't see it so it was in verse 9 after they had carried away uh, carried it away uh, that the hand of the Lord was against the city uh, with a, a very great destruction and he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors uh, broke out on them uh, before they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And so it was that the ark of God came to Ekron, and the Ekronites cried out, saying, uh, They have uh, brought the ark of God of Israel to us uh, to kill us and our people. I love the fact they recognize that it's the ark of God the nation of Israel. 
Your enemies recognize that. Your heathen neighbors recognize that. And here's the nation of Israel, God's chosen, God's elect. Did they forget? This is constant, constant with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They would go back. In fact, I, I still baffle when Moses is up getting the Ten Commandments, the laws, and there's merriment down at the camp. Did they forget all the blessings of God? How quick, how quick. They have brought the ark of, uh, of the God of Israel uh, to us to kill us and our people. In verse 11, so they sent and, and they gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and they said, send away the ark uh, of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. Judgment. The judgment of God is never a pretty sight. When we speak about the book of Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 6 uh, through chapter 18, uh, there's going to be uh, seven sealed judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bold judgments. It's not a pretty sight. And just what we read, and just what we can understand. Uh, I've never seen hail mixed with fire. I've never, never seen, you know, grotesque figures coming out. Never saw some of these judgment, all kinds of heads and such. And you know, I've often shared when I study, when I teach the book of Revelation, I'm not concerned of the things I don't understand because there's a lot that I don't understand. But I'm concerned, listen, about the things that I do understand. About the things that I do understand. Judgments are coming. And you know, oftentimes Mary and I are sitting, we're talking, and, and you know, we'll share, you know, our families probably think we're nuts. You guys really believe you're going to get raptured, beam me up, Scotty? Yes. His name's not Scotty. <laughs> it's the Lord that's going to take us out. You really believe you're going to all float in the air? Yes. We were hearing on the way in, KELP, and uh, the lady's son, the, the lady's, uh, yeah, it's his son, was dying. She asked for prayer. And they encouraged her, listen, your, your son is going to go home to be with the Lord. You will go home one day to be with your son. And you will walk the streets of gold. You know, I thought of that passage. I, I buy it. I, I believe it. I have faith. So do you. But a non-believer? What did you say? Streets of what? Gold? You're crazy. You're nuts. That's what the scriptures say. That's what the scriptures say. People don't want to buy. And yet, they believe everything. Dan Aykroyd, very popular guy back in the what, 80s and such, and he did this whole segment. I was going, what? He's all into UFOs. He said he's seen four of them. He knows he's seen them. And nobody's believing him. Ah, Dan Aykroyd needs a prayer. You know? And he used to, <laughs> he used to sing about we're on a mission from God. You better go back and read your script the right way. Notice now. 
The judgment of God is never pretty. And yet the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Verse 11, verse 12 now. And the men who did not die were stricken with tumors. And uh, translation there is boils. Uh, and, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. All judgment came. Living and dead. Not everybody died. Not everybody's going to die during the time of the tribulation. But you're going to have to run. Or you're going to have to have the mark of the beast. I mean, these things are reality. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Uh, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That will he also reap. Now the Israelites, when they went to battle, God always went before them. But when they were not right with God, God would not go before them. And generally they would be judged. They had no business taking the Ark of the Covenant there. You never had the opportunity uh, to look at the wars, Israeli wars. Uh, you can go to Netflix. Uh, you can Google, uh, YouTube. Mary and I get a, a, a lot of these movies, and we like to just watch them. And, and it just baffles the mind. Because Israel most likely was, you know, outnumbered. One tank against thousands. And yet when they captured the enemies, they go, Oh, they had a battalion of tanks. Another time, uh, they said uh, the God of Abraham, uh, they said Abraham was with them. And the, the Israelis were outnumbered. I believe this was during the 67 war. And they were just going to fight it out. There was too many of them. They were going to lose. They knew it. They were going to go down. They didn't have enough ammo either. And they were ready. And then here they come, the enemy, they turn the corner, and they're getting ready to attack, and all of a sudden they start to backpedal. And I know the word, because I've seen it in Scripture. They kept saying, Abrin, 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 Abraham, Abraham. And when they got these guys later, they interviewed them, they saw Father Abraham. Now, Father Abraham is for the Jews uh, and, and, and the Arabs. And they said, well, why were you so fearful? Because Abraham had two monster angels with swords. Tell me God doesn't go before them. Even when they're living in their sinful ways. The nation of Israel. They're the apple of God's eye. They're the apple of God's eye. Now we come uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 6. The ark returned to Israel. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines. Listen to this. Who's, who's God's number? Number 7. Seven months, and the Philistines call for the priests and the diviners and saying, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Uh, tell us how we should send it uh, to its place. They get all their soothsayers and their necromancers and they get all their sorcerers and such and, you know, find out for us. What do we do here? And so they said in verse 3, if you send away the ark of, of the God of Israel, uh, do not send it empty. But by all means, return it to him uh, with a trespass offering. How did they know about a trespass offering? Because that's in the book of Leviticus and, and the book of Numbers. Notice, 
send a trespass offering that you will be healed because they had the tumors, uh, the boils, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. These heathen Philistines knew of the trespass offering. Uh, Leviticus chapter 5 and chapter 6, Numbers chapter 5. The trespass offering was the offering of a debt owed for the sin committed. This was the law in Israel. The Philistines knew it. The Philistines knew it. Look at verse 4 now. He says, then they said, what is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? And they answered and listened to the offering. Five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the Lord of the Philistine, for the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Now, these are the soothsayers, the diviners. They're supposed to bring you back an answer. And, you know, I'm thinking of the five lords sitting there waiting. And these are to describe your leaders. Radical. But everybody's fearful. Everybody's fearful. Notice now. According to the number of the lords of the Philistine, for the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore, uh, verse 5, you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats and ravage the land that ravaged the land. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your God, small g, and from your land. You know, we've all seen a boil. We've all seen, you know, even if you've never seen one in person, a picture, a photograph. I know when you go in the, and you go to your doctor's office, they have everything on the wall sometimes. And you're like, what's that? What's that? And then you read it and you go, whoa, I don't need to see it anymore. How do you make an image? Does that look like my tumor? What do you think? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. But this was the mindset. They did not want judgment anymore. Verse 6, he says, Why do you harden your hearts? Remember what we shared? Why do you harden your hearts? As the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts. When he did mighty things among you or among them, did they not let the people go? That they might depart. Yeah, but it took the ten plagues. It took the ten plagues. And then remember, they followed suit. And they're crossing the Red Sea. And a pillar of fire held them back until they crossed the Red Sea. It was dry land. They walked across. And their carts. And their children. Their animals. And I mean, I, I like fishing. I would have loved to see those walls. Imagine. They want to hurry up and get to the other side. And we know that finally the, uh, the fire is taken down and here they come. And then judgment fell upon them. But their hearts were hardened. Notice verse 7. Now therefore, make a new cart. Now watch how they... Test the Lord. And this is good. 
when you put out a fleece, well, Lord, I'll do it if my cell phone goes off in the next 10 minutes. You know, come on. Put something impossible and see if it's of the Lord. Uh, notice as we see here in verse 7, Now, therefore, uh, make a new cart, take two milk cows, which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them. Now, this is, this is radical. Cows don't like that, obviously. And what about the calves? Mom, I got to feed. And so, but they have to make it hard so they can see that it was God. Then take the ark of the Lord, in verse 8, and set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold which uh, are, are, the, are returning to them as the trespass offering in the chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. They want to appease the nation of Israel. They want to appease the God of Israel. And watch in verse 9. If it goes up the road uh, to its own territory, uh, to Beth Shemesh. And when he has done, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it's not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. I, I see a smart move here. Now, I was thinking of this. The instinct of the cow is the desire uh, of the calf. And then the calf is the desire uh, to get fed by the cow. I mean, this is the Lord. And then in verse 10, then the men did so. And they took two milk cows, hitched them uh, to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. The cows would have desired to nurse their own. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of the tumors. Now, uh, real quick, uh, how did they move these? Because you were not to touch the ark of the covenant. When you go back into Exodus, you see the dimensions and, and you see... Uh, the specifications that God gave uh, to Moses, and they had those rings that ran down the side on both sides, and they would take these staves or these long poles and they moved them through. But you were not to touch the Ark of the Covenant. You were not to touch that cart because it had the Ark of the Covenant. And I have to believe that the Philistines knew how to transport it also. Or else they would not have gotten away with it. Or God wanted to judge them anyway, eventually, for what they had allowed to happen. Uh, in verse 12, Then the cows uh, headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, uh, lowing as they went. Uh, the word basically is they were mooing all the way. And they did not turn aside to the right uh, hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Uh, the, the cows were billowing, that's the translation. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted their eyes, and, and they saw the ark, rejoicing to see it. Now Beth Shemesh was a city in Dan, one of the tribes of Israel. It was considered a priestly city, and they were known for their wheat. 
Now, uh, here's another test of the cows. They can smell the fresh wheat. They would have easily gone after that. They're not trained to be yoked. And yet they did what God told them to do. They did what God told them to do. Notice now verse 14. Uh, then the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beshemesh and stood there. A large stone was there. And so they split the wood of the cart and offered uh, the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. Sacrifice right away. They're making a sacrifice. In verse 15, And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. And then the men of Beshemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices that day to the Lord. I mean, God is giving them back the ark. And so they're worshiping the Lord. They're taking time to worship the Lord. And the cows were used for sacrifice. And they burned up the offerings that were given from the Philistines. Notice now, verse 16. And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron that same day. And in other words, they felt accomplished. Hopefully judgment is done. I believe they recognized the hand of God. Everybody knew that uh, a, a new calf would need nursing and, and a cow's instinct to feed the offspring and such. Or the thing that this cow, after having a calf, also needed to be fed. And so they saw the hand of God. These are the golden tumors, verse 17. And the Philistines returned as a trespass offering uh, to the Lord. Uh, one for Ashdod. Listen, here's those five. Uh, cities, Ashdod, one for Gaza, and Ashkelon, and the, the one for Gath and Ekron, the five cities that were mentioned earlier. Verse 18, and the golden rats, according to the number of the cities of the Philistines, belonged to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the, the large stone of, of Abel, on which they set the ark of the Lord, uh, which Stone remains to this day. I believe that's an Ebenezer stone in the field of Joshua of Beshemesh. And then he struck the men of Beshemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,000 and then 70,000 men of the people. And the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Now, some of your translations are totally different. When you come to verse 19, I searched everything. The only thing I could come up with, and uh, it could have been a copyist there. There's no way, because uh, Beshemesh at this time, uh, historians would tell you, there was not that many people there. There was not availability there. Uh, well, it wasn't Beshemesh. Uh, Anyway, the, the people were struck. And so, was it 50,070? Uh, other translation, 70 men. And uh, some of the translations, uh, with the 70 first and then the 50,000 after. Albert Barnes, who I respect highly, great theologian in the Old Testament and New Testament, 
uh, he says 50,000 were added. He believes that the Hebrew suggests 70. And so either way, I'm not going to throw my Bible out because copyist errors were made. You, you're just going to have to live with that. But now we come to the end. In verse 20 through 21, the Ark of Kirth-Jerim, that's where the Ark is going to be at. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? And so they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought the, uh, back the Ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. The ark remains here in Kirjath-Jerim for 20 years. The people feared moving the ark of God. Feared the judgment. Now, let me give you a little bit of insight here for us. Yes, this was reality in the Old Testament. But back in John chapter 4, uh, we know that the Samaritan woman is dialoguing back and forth with Jesus. And they would worship, the Samaritans worship uh, in Mount Gerizim, and the Jews worshiped in Jerusalem. And so, in John chapter 4, verse 20, the Samaritan woman said, we worship in this mountain, and you worship uh, in Jerusalem. And then in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Again, when Jesus gave up the ghost, the temple curtain that kept you from the Holy of Holies, which uh, the tabernacle, this was the tabernacle, but the Ark of the Covenant sat. The temple curtain rent from the top to the bottom. Jesus is now the high priest. Jesus is now the complete sacrifice. No more animal sacrifices. No more having to wait for Yom Kippur once a year. No more having to hope and pray and trust that the high priest that's going in is right with God. Because if he wasn't, God knocked him dead. The freedom we have. The freedom that we have because of the cross. The freedom through Christ Jesus. And we know today people are looking for the Ark of the Covenant. And if they found the Ark of the Covenant, they would worship it. And by the way, if you were open the jar of manna, if God allowed you to, and you were to eat it, it's still as good as it was. I believe so. You would make manicotti. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. Lord, we know that it's not about the Ark of the Covenant. That was Old Testament. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, Know you not now that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for tabern tabernacling in us and through us, Lord.
And so, Father, hear our cries, hear our prayers, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's anybody listening to the teaching this evening, anybody catching it later on the radio or on the Internet, whatever it might be, if they don't know Christ, they need to come to saving grace. Not to Pastor Bob or to Calvary Chapel, but they need to come to saving grace. Today is the day of your salvation. And so, Father, we bless you, we exalt you, we lift you up on high. And we tell you, Lord, over and over, we just love you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all agree by saying, Amen.